0: appreciate the presence of everyone today. We're glad that you're here. We might have some that are, are watching online. We appreciate that uh, you've uh, joined us in that way and uh, hope that uh, what we're doing here today is, is, is helpful. It's a, it's a difficult day for us today, of course. Uh, I look over here at this row, I, I see an empty spot over there. And that makes me sad, that's upsetting. But it reminds me I I can look at just about every section. This section, this section, this one, this one. And I can see spots where people used to sit who were once members here. They're not with us anymore. We think about where they've gone. We think think about the place, uh, we live in hope at least, that they have gone to to a, a better place. A place like this, a place where we worship God and serve Him and where there's, joy and gladness and praise, but it's a much better place than this one. And so uh, it's a difficult day today, uh, as, as we all know. If you don't know, and maybe there are some that are listening online, or maybe some here today, uh, one of our young men, one of our young brothers, Johnson Noble, was involved in a, in a terrible accident on Friday and uh, passed away. And so uh, just share that with you so that you can share with us and and, uh, help encourage us. Well, I just want to share some thoughts this morning that are helpful to me. Jacob said when he got up here, it's kind of fallen on him to make the remarks today, kind of falls on me to to make remarks at this time. And so I'm gonna talk about just a few things this morning that are helpful to me, and I, I hope that they'll be helpful to you in a situation like this. Just a few observations. One of them is this. The situation we live in now is not the situation that God intended for us. This is not the situation that God planned. This is not the situation that God established or intended for us. So what I want us to do for a few minutes is go all the way back to the beginning, to that, to that time and place where God made man. And the situation that uh, He made for man, this was God's intent for man. This, this was His plan. And so in Genesis chapter 2 we read that God made the man and the woman. He made man and woman in His own image. And after He created uh, everything in those six days of creation, after He created the man and the woman, He saw what He had created. He said it was very good. Now the situation we live in today is not very good. Now, that, that's, I think we'd all agree with that. But the situation that God intended for man to live in was a very good situation. If you go down into chapter 2 and uh, look at uh, uh, verse... uh, We'll look at... We'll begin in verse 8. The Lord God planted a garden toward the east in Eden, and there He placed the man whom He had formed. And so think about that original situation. The man and woman are created. They're placed in the garden, the Garden of Eden. Even the name itself suggests this is a delightful place, a a luxurious place. And uh, it had trees in the garden, there's the earth and the sea and the sun, the moon, stars and rivers and all of those things. And so that place was like the situation we live in today. And so there are some things in common, but this was a very different condition, a very different situation. They lived in the Garden of Eden, a, a place that must have been lush, And green a place that was delightful and luxurious rivers ran through it and so just think about that place that God created it's a beautiful place it's a place of peace a place of comfort and and safety there's no evil in that place at least not inherent in the place itself now we know later on evil comes into it but the place that God the place itself that God uh, established for man It was a delightful place. There were precious stones in the place as well that that added to its beauty. In Isaiah 51 and verse 3, it's called the garden of the Lord. So just think about that expression, the garden of the Lord. And not only does Isaiah associate it with vegetation and fruit and food and those kinds of things, but also with joy and gladness. And Thanksgiving so here's the original situation God created man and woman they have companionship they have partnership they have what each other needs and so God saw that he saw that it was very good he puts them in this idyllic perfect situation where they want for nothing they have food, it's easily accessible. Uh, they have a relationship with each other. They have companionship. They even have work to do. We're created to work and, and so they have work to do. they even their senses are pleased. And so uh, every tree that's pleasing to the eye was in the garden. And so it's a beautiful place where needs are met. There's companionship and partnership and all of those things and, and God is in communion with man in a way that doesn't exist today. And so you remember later on in Genesis chapter 3, the man and the woman heard God walking in the cool of the day. Heard God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid themselves. This is after they had sinned. Well, they recognized that sound, didn't they? They heard Him walking in the garden, in the cool of the day. They knew it was God. That was a familiar sound to them. They they knew it indicated His presence. And so on that occasion they hid themselves. And so God must have come walking in the garden in the cool of the day on previous occasions. And so there's communion between God and man. There's fellowship between God and man. They're living in a wonderful, beautiful place. Of course all that has changed. We won't live in that situation anymore. Now that was the situation that God intended for man. But that situation doesn't exist anymore. Something has happened. Well we read in Genesis chapter 3 what happened. Transgression enters into the world. The man and the woman sin. They violate God's law. and, And now they had to deal with the consequences of their sin. Now God had warned them. In the day that you eat of this fruit, Genesis chapter 2 and verse 7, the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you can eat of any other tree, but you can't eat it from this one. But Satan comes, he tempts the woman, and she eats. She gives some of the fruit to her husband, and he eats. They transgress, and now things change. And they have to deal with the consequences of their sin. Remember, earlier, there's no shame. There, there's no fear, no, nothing like that, no sense of guilt. The man and woman are innocent. They're, they're naked and they're not ashamed. And so no shame, no guilt, no fear. But now sin has come into the picture and everything has changed. And now there is shame. And now there is guilt. And now there is fear. And so remembering Genesis chapter 3, They heard the sound of God coming in the garden, walking in the garden, and they were afraid, and they hid themselves. So now they are ashamed. They're guilty, and they're afraid. The relationship with God has been ruined. Now, it wasn't God's intent. That's not what God wanted, but because of their sin, the relationship with God has been ruined. No more walking in the garden in the cool of the day. The man and the woman lost their place in the Garden of Eden. And now life becomes a struggle. Man has to work in the sweat of his face to provide food for himself. Uh, The the ground itself is hostile toward man. It produces thorns and thistles. And so it's, it's working against man. So man has to work and work and sweat and toil for his daily food. Everything bad enters mankind's existence. There's conflict and jealousy. Genesis chapter 4, Cain kills Abel. There's anger and hatred. There's shame and guilt and fear. Now there are wars and famines and floods and earthquakes that take the lives of people. Men and women grow old now. It not, 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 wasn't God's intent. Remember in the garden, the the tree of life is in the garden. And as long as they eat from the tree of life, their life continues. But not now, not, not now that sin has entered into the world. Men and women grow old and die. And sometimes young men die as well. Now that's not what God intended. That wasn't His plan in the beginning. He planned a wonderful existence for His creation for us in which there's communion with God and every need is met. met. But now, now the world is a hostile place and we struggle. We need to know that the situation that we live in now is not what God intended. Matthew 18, 14 says, It's not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. That's an important passage in times like this, I think. It's not the will of your Father who is in heaven that one of these little ones should perish. Now that raises an important question in my mind, maybe in your mind as well. Now God intended for life to to be good and to be pleasant and to be delightful. We've suggested that, we've talked about that a little bit. But when man transgressed, all of that changed and now life is a struggle and terrible, tragic things happen. And that raises this question. If this is not what God intended, why doesn't He do something about it? It's a pretty good question, isn't it? <laughs> Men have been struggling with that question at least since the time of Job. <laughs> you know, you know if, if, if there's a news story, if you went home today and you turned on the news and there was a story of here's a couple of bad guys and, and here's a woman and they take advantage of her, her weakness and vulnerability, and, and they beat her and rob her. And over here, there's two or three policemen, and they're standing by watching. And they see what's going on. They do nothing. Not only are the bad guys responsible for doing evil, the policemen are guilty of something. They have the ability, the authority, the power to do something about that bad situation. And if they don't do it, we think you've done something wrong, (laughs) you know. Why does God do something about this? He has the authority, He has the power, why doesn't He do something? Well, the answer is, He has. He has done something. Now, solution to our problem of living in this world with tragedy and, and death and mourning and sickness and dying and all of those things, the solution could not be done in this world, in this life. The world is physical. The world is material. And as long as we're in it, we suffer the limitations and vulnerabilities of physical existence. As long as we're in this physical world, we're going to get hungry. We're going to get thirsty. We're going to get sick. We're going to suffer injury and death. As long as we're in this physical world. Now, the solution transcends this life. It transcends physical existence. It transcends mortality. Here's what God has done to fix the situation. Look at a few passages. Philippians chapter 3 says, Our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state." into the conformity with the body of His glory." Now that's what God has done. You see, He's going to transcend this world, this physical world, and and He's going to give us a place in a spiritual world where the limitations and the vulnerabilities and the weaknesses of this life are all over. They're all over. They're a thing of the past. Old things have passed away. Everything is new. And one of the new things is a new body. A body that's conformed to the body of His glory. So just think about that. Think about what God has done. And the body of glory, not flesh and blood and limp, all, all of these things. A glorious body. It talks about that body in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 53. This perishable must put on the imperishable. This mortal must put on immortality. When this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Why doesn't God do something? He has done something. He's given us the victory. The victory over death by preparing a place and a condition for us outside of this world but in heaven. Verse 42 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15 elaborates a little bit. So then is the resurrection of the dead. It's sown a perishable body. It's raised an imperishable body. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. Look at the contrast. Sown a perishable body, raised an imperishable body. Sown in dishonor, raised in glory. Sown in weakness, raised in power. Why doesn't God do something? He has done something. He's made it possible for us to transcend this place and this body and have a new kind of existence in heaven. A new body. A new place to live. Revelation chapter 21 and the first few verses there. And then going on through that chapter into the next, describe a new heaven and a new earth. We've been talking about that in our revelation class: a new heaven and a new earth. Here's some of the, uh, some of the description. The tabernacle of God is among men. He'll dwell among them. They shall be His people and God Himself will be among them. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will no longer be any death, no longer be any mourning or crying or pain. You see, the first things have passed away. Well, that's, that's a wonderful prospect, isn't it? These things that plague us are gone. That's what God has done about it. A new body, a new heaven, and new earth where God dwells with them, where we live in God's glory, where we worship and serve Him, where we will see His face. Just think about those who have gone on who can see His face. The scriptures call this eternal life or everlasting life, a blessed quality of existence in which everything that makes this life odious is removed and new things take their place. Everything that makes this life hard and discouraging, they're all gone and new things take their place. Yes, God has done something to help. He's provided a solution to our problem. Now we need eyes of faith to see it, okay? We need eyes of faith to see it. But it's there if we believe it's there. So what do we do in the meantime? As we're still in this life, and maybe that we're here for a while. Now some have gone on, of course, but we're still here. What what do we do? Well, we live in hope. Romans eight says we live in hope. We live uh, that uh, we, we live in hope that we that we will be set free from the bondage to decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Set free from the bondage of decay and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Two parts of that expression. We live in hope. First of all, we live. What do we do in the meantime? We live. We put one foot in front of the other. We take the next step. Sometimes those steps are hard to take. Especially in situations that we're facing. That that, that next step may be hard to take. We take the next step, and those those steps might be slow. (laughs) We take the next step, and as time passes, those steps, we're able to make them better. We live our lives here and now. We do what we have to do. We take care of life's obligations, and, and we enjoy the good that this life has to offer, but our thoughts are somewhere else. Oh, we live in the world, but our thoughts are elsewhere. We're not looking at the things that are seen. We're really looking at things that are not seen. The things that are seen, they're, they're temporal. But the things that are not seen, they're eternal. And we set our minds on things that are above where Christ is, not on things on the earth. What do we do? We live. We put one foot in front of the other, do what we have to do. It might be difficult, but we live. We live in this world but our mind is elsewhere. And then we live in hope. Thanks be to God, Jesus was raised from the dead. A kind of first fruits of those who will follow Him. He's the first, but there will be more. We live in the hope of the resurrection. We live in the hope of everlasting life. We live in the hope of eternity in the presence of God with those who have gone before. And that's, that's the encouragement that Paul gives us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 when he talks about the return of Christ and the resurrection of those who are in Christ and will be together with them and we'll be that way forever. We live in hope. We live in the hope of the resurrection. We live in the hope of et- everlasting life. We live in hope of an eternity in the presence of God side-by-side with those who have gone before And so we live live in hope. Never give up hoping. Never give up hoping. Things can be discouraging in this life and they, they can be distracting. Never give up hope. It's described as the anchor of our souls. We're hoping, aren't we? We're hoping that we're going to be together with those who have gone before in the presence of the Lord forever and ever. All the things of this world, they're gone. Everything's been made new. And so we live in the hope of that. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, our loving, our loving Father in heaven, we come before you at this time. We have heavy hearts today, Father. We're we're grieving. We're grieving the loss of our beloved brother, Johnson. Father, we know that the circumstances we live in now are, are, are not what you intended for us. And we're thankful, Father, that through Christ, you've made it possible for us to leave this place with all of its heartache and sorrow and pain, all of its crying and tears, that we can leave this world behind and we can enter into that blessed existence, eternal in the heavens that you've prepared for us. Father, help us to think on those things continually. Help us, Father, to set our minds on things that are above. Help us, Father, to focus our attention on things where Christ is in heaven and help us, Father, to live in hope. Help us to do the things we need to do in this life, but help us always, Father, to look to the next life, eternal life that you've prepared for us. We're thankful, Father, that you're mindful of us, that you want to have fellowship with us, that you're patient with us and merciful with us and made it possible for us to live in hope of eternal life through Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen. If you're not a Christian today but you're ready to become